Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow. I'm happy to be here with you today. I appreciate you taking some time to listen to what we have to say and to share with you. I am with Morrow Family Medicine, a member of Village Medical. We have offices in Cumming and Milton, Georgia. Um, At Morrow Family Medicine, we like to say that we're trying to combine high-tech systems with old-fashioned care. And it's very important to us that when you come see us, that you do feel cared for, that you feel like you're part of our family, and we want that to be the case. If that's ever not the case, uh, we want to hear about it because we can't fix it if you don't tell us. So we're very happy to have you with us today. I am here in my office studio in Cumming, Georgia. My producer, John Ray, is there in his home studio in what I guess is Alpharetta, Georgia. I'm guessing on that. John, how are you today? Hey, I'm great, and congratulations on number 50. That's quite an achievement. Thank you. It is. It has really kind of flown by. Mm-hmm. I guess that's 25 months, and it, it really has been pretty quick. I have thoroughly enjoyed doing this. Uh, John with North Fulton Business Radio X has done a phenomenal job producing these shows and helping me with everything that I need to know. And even with the pandemic, I think we've muddled through very nicely and you're a great partner. And I appreciate your work with this, with me on this, John. I appreciate you and and congratulations. Uh, that, yeah, I was looking back on our, our show archive and you have just covered some great topics and folks that have missed out on some of those. I hope they'll go back and check out the show archive because you've, you've really covered the waterfront over the, these last two years. So so good well, work. I've, I've good work. To. And, <clears throat> you know, it's been interesting because I see people in the office every week that will say, oh, I listened to your podcast on this or I listened on that. Now, I actually see some new patients, which is nice, that found the podcast and became patients even after that. So it's it's been very rewarding. And and I appreciate everybody's attention and everybody's time uh, trying to listen to what I have to say. Uh, sometimes I go on for 30 minutes all by myself and I often think that that can't help but get a little bit boring to people, but I hope it's not too bad. But sometimes we're lucky enough to have a guest, and today's one of those days, and I'm going to get to our guest in just a minute. But first, as I've tried to do on most of these podcasts lately, is I'm trying to do a little bit of a COVID update. And today I want to talk about COVID-19 vaccines and mutations, because there's an awful lot in the press about new strains, quote-unquote, uh, that are out there and whether or not they're g- going to be re- uh, susceptible to the vaccine. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So the f- first question that a lot of people have is why does the coronavirus or any virus for that matter change? And th- with if you look at viruses, the variants in viruses occur whenever there's any kind of change in the genetic code of that virus. That's the RNA or the DNA of that virus. And it's the nature of RNA viruses like coronaviruses to evolve and change usually fairly gradually. Now, mutations in viruses are neither new or unexpected. They occur so that the virus can propagate itself better. Uh, 
They all, all the RNA viruses like coronavirus, do mutate over time, and some do it quicker than others. The flu viruses change very often, and I think most people are aware of that. They're used to the fact that there's a different vaccine every year for the flu, and if you don't get the right vaccine or you don't have the right strains in the vaccine, then you can have a worse flu season. So that's why you have to get a flu shot every year. And we're now starting to see some various mutation or multiple variants of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19. And these are different from the first one that was detected in China in small but fairly important ways. So in England, back in September of last year, there was a, a variant noted, and they know this because they'll take patients who are sick and they'll isolate viruses from them, and they check them periodically. Well, they ran into this one that had, I think it was 117 mutations, which is not a lot if you count the number of pieces under genetic code, and it quickly became the most common version of coronavirus in the United Kingdom. And the reason for that is the mutation that happened makes it not more deadly and not a more serious illness, but it makes it more contagious so that any one person is more likely to give it to a larger number of people than with the original coronavirus. And there are, they've seen other variants in South Africa and Brazil, and they even have one in California. Well, when you look at how they're different, there's some preliminary evidence that it is more contagious, and there's been a surge in cases whenever this new strain has arrived in a location. But some of these mutations, in fact, most of them, I think, seem to affect the spike protein. And if you've read anything about coronavirus, you've read about the spike protein. If you've seen the pictures, it's the thing that sticks off the virus and kind of gives it its corona-like appearance. And the spike protein is what attaches to your cell in your body and allows that virus to basically inject its RNA into your system. And so these variants are more contagious because of that. They're stickier if you will, they're more likely to be able to stick onto the cell long enough for the RNA to be sent into the cell. And then your cell starts making uh, virus particles for it, and it turns it into its own little virus factory. So again, not more deadly, not a more serious disease, but a fair amount more contagious. And a lot of people have asked me, are there going to be more variants? And you can bet there will be. As long as the coronavirus spreads through the populations, these mutations are going to keep happening. In 2020, several mutations caught researchers' attention, and they got concerned about it. But further studies showed that no major changes occurred in how the coronavirus behaves. And the most important thing to me as a clinician is that none of these mutations have altered the immunogenicity of the virus. That is how it responds to your, how your immune system responds to it, which means that the vaccines should continue to work well for even these new strains of coronavirus. So the laboratory studies that are being done are showing that some immune responses driven by the current vaccines might be a, a little bit less effective. Now, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were shown to be 94, 95%. And if you drop a little bit, we're still going to be in fantastic shape with these vaccines. So we're not going to be in a position where we don't have immunity, where we don't have a way to, to gain immunity. We're just going to have to be careful in the, the population that's not yet vaccinated because they are going to be more likely to get the disease if they come across this new strain. So I think that's important 
And, and I hope people will understand that the vaccine is a safe thing. It's a remarkable vaccine. Uh, it, it came to the market in a short period of time for a wide variety of reasons, none of which are dangerous or bothersome or frightful. And so I think it's important people understand the main thing you want to do is you want to get vaccinated. Never miss an opportunity to get vaccinated. One of the things that I listen to every week about coronavirus is a podcast called This Week in Virology or TWIV, T-W-I-V. And at least once a week, they have Dr. Daniel Griffin, who's an infectious disease, disease specialist in New York, come on and give a clinical update. And it's very good. And if you ever have a chance to listen to TWIV, I highly encourage you to because it's great information, easily understandable. And, and Daniel said that last week. He said, never miss an opportunity to get vaccinated. So I've had people in the office that had COVID and they had it four or six weeks ago, and they were told at the time, don't get vaccinated for three months. And I told them, I said, if you get an opportunity, get the vaccine because you're not going to regret it. There's no downside to it. You can't get sick from it. Get a COVID-19 vaccine when you can. So that's my update on coronavirus for today, episode 50. And I'm excited today, too, that we do have a guest. We really should have had uh, Andrew on the show months ago, because what I want to talk about is exercise during a pandemic. So we're fortunate today to have with us Andrew Abernathy. Andrew has a, a private gym in Cumming, Georgia, named Focal Fitness. And I can tell you firsthand experience. I was a client of his until we moved up into the mountains. I was a client of Andrew's for a few years, a couple of times a week, going in there and getting beat to death at five o'clock in the morning. So, Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on with us. How are you today? I am doing great, uh, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on here. And again, congratulations on episode 50. Thank you for finally getting me on here. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what we got to talk about today. Well, I appreciate that very much. And I do appreciate you taking the time. I can, I can see Andrew on the Zoom call here and he's here in the gym. He's always in the gym. I'm surprised he's not on the treadmill or something while we're trying to do this. But yeah, <laughs> thank you. And I get to see his six pack. That's great. So, <clears throat> so no more of Andrew. We're going to talk about something else. So, uh, Andrew, I would love for you to take us through a variety of ways as they come to your mind about how people can continue to be active and do true exercise without having to go to a gym where they frankly probably don't feel comfortable because there's 25, 30 people in the gym. They're all huffing and puffing. People haven't been vaccinated because they're probably young and otherwise healthy. And I'd love for you to talk to us about how we can do that. Walk me through that a little bit. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, for the uh, person out there that is sincerely afraid to go into a gym and, you know, be surrounded by other individuals that are sweating, breathing heavily, and that is a natural fear. Um, we have the technology available. You've got access to YouTube. Uh, there's hundreds of fitness apps out there that people can get on and guide you through a uh, exercise program. But uh, I think each individual probably has to recognize what their goals are first and foremost, and then start taking baby steps and understand that they don't need to, you know, make everything happen in 
you know, one week's worth, worth of workouts is to just build a process, follow the process and start working towards their goals. And like I said, just go on YouTube, whether it be something you're looking for, like uh, Peggy was talking about, you know, you want to do work on balance. There's plenty of videos to help you work on balance. You want to work on uh, mobility, stretching. That's a good place to start. Um, but build yourself a foundation and start working that process. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to be in a gym. Uh, there's many tools out there on Amazon that, you know, you can get you a set of dumbbells, some resistant bands, uh, many other tools that you can use in your house to provide the resistance that, uh, that the body needs to um, produce those results. So you don't have to buy a thousand dollar computerized bicycle to do this kind of thing. That is that is not a requirement. It is uh, awfully nice and very pretty, but uh, definitely not a necessity. Well, I know if if people do this, you know, a lot of times they're trying to do trying to replicate what they might have done in a gym. But talk, if you would, a little bit about. Uh, body weight exercises and how that kind of thing can be used to reproduce what would be the same sort of effect in a gym. Yeah, absolutely. Um, body weight act- exercise has really um, become a little more popular here in the last, I would say, five to six years as people have become a little more aware of, well, maybe through technology of getting on YouTube and watching some videos of you know, a body weight squat, lunging, planks, uh, all sorts of plyometric drills that you can do and incorporating that in instead of, like you said, going out and spending your money month after month on a membership in a gym and having that ability and creating that uh, time space in your own house to perform every one of those things. And the key is, again, find maybe you wanted to find some good foundation as far as form technique and work on that before really trying to accelerate through those uh, body weight exercises. But yeah, there's tons of information out there and, you know, reluctantly. So there's misinformation out there. Not everybody fully understands, you know, the human body, but you have to listen to your own aches, pains, uh, where you need to work on, where you need to regress and, move appropriately, but yeah, tons of stuff out there for a body weight, um, exercise. Yeah. The, the aches and pains thing I think is, is very important because in the office, I frequently see people that decided they were going to exercise and they jump in too fast, too hard, too heavy, and they end up with injuries. Uh, if, if we're talking about something like, uh, planks and sit-ups and push-ups and that kind of thing, um, how fast should a, let's call them a 50-year-old, overweight, barely hypertensive male, which is not me because that's much younger than I am, but how how would someone like that start off in that? Have, how do they start with what kind of numbers? How fast should they progress just to be safe? And I know it, it varies a lot, but if you're looking at being safe and not trying to get hurt, what would you recommend? Uh, yeah, safely, effectively for somebody just beginning out, they should probably carve out somewhere a 10 to 15 minute window to just work solely on, you know, 
a set of push-ups and you might do a set of push-ups and you might get through three of them, five of them. It, it is going to vary a lot from person to person, uh, but understand what is getting outside your comfort zone and then what is unhealthy when you start feeling, you know, shoulder pain, knee pain. When, when you have pain in joints, that's typically not a good thing. Pain should be uh, directly in, in muscles, not located in your joints. But yeah, starting, like I said, it's, it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And the, the sooner you realize that and understand that you're going to work day after day after day and just keep following this routine and build off of it, uh, the easier it is to understand that you don't have to move mountains on day one. Just start, you know, carrying little stones piece by piece and, you know, you'll put the puzzle together uh, slowly, but surely. Yeah. I think that's something that people have a huge problem with is, is not just going gangbusters day one. And, and so many people you've seen them, I've seen them, everybody has, they end up with a torn this or a pulled that or slip this. And then they're, they're back on the sidelines again for a long time before they can get repaired and, and healed and get back to what they were trying to do. So if, if we're talking about aerobics, and to me, aerobics is anything that gets your heart rate up. It doesn't have to be treadmill, doesn't have to be running. But if you get your heart rate up to a certain level and maintain it there, to me, that's aerobic. But if we're doing that, and again, we've got the 50-year-old hypertensive uh, person, doesn't have to be a guy, who is trying to start this. I'd love your opinion on how many days a week they should do that kind of thing. Uh, what should their goal be? Does distance matter? Is it time that matters? What's your opinion on those things? My opinion on that is, again, any day that you can fit in 20, 30, and then build from there, some of their, like, again, you might start off with 10 to 15 minutes of walking. Uh, like you said, you might go join the your local aquatic center and do water aerobics if you want something a little bit easier on your joints, if you want to just start uh, lightly. Uh, you know, I have people that, that garden that gets their heart rate up. Um, Many different ways to uh, to do it, but again, really uh, effectively finding some way to get your heart rate elevated uh, 20, 30 minutes, uh, seven days a week doesn't bother me as long as your body can recover. That's the key thing is listen to your body. When you rest at night, when you recover, when you wake up the next morning, how do you feel? You know, if you have to keep a journal write these things down so you can go back and find patterns of I'm feeling good for X amount of days. And then on day, you know, 25, 26, 27, I'm starting to feel rough. Go back and look at what you did on days 21, 22, and 23 to see if something in there changed to make you feel that way. But as far as aerobic and cardiovascular exercise, uh, I mean, daily, I would totally recommend as long as the body's responding well. I often recommend to patients that they go walk for 30 minutes, 15 minutes away from home and then turn around and go home. And I don't care how far you go. I care that you do it for the 30 minutes. And if you're, if you're going in a particular direction, you know, every week at a mailbox, if you live in like in a neighborhood or something, you're going down to the street. If you just add one mailbox every week, then eventually you're going a whole lot farther. And what people usually find is that in the same period of time, they end up a lot farther away from home in that 15 minutes than they did when they first started. But, but you said seven days a week. And that, 
and are you talking about aerobic seven days a week or weights seven days a week? What's what's the current feeling about that in the athletic training world? No, as far as aerobic exercise, like you said, walking, running, biking, swimming, uh, elevated heart rate. Yeah, I would I would say you could do that seven days a week. Like I said, if your body is responding appropriately, uh, weight resisted exercise, body weight stuff like purely focused on attaining a muscular uh, workout somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four days a week, you know, give or take a day. It, it all depends schedule. And again, how responsive you are to it. And giving your body a chance to repair in there. Yes, in between. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you can look at me and tell that I'm a, a highly trained athlete and everybody that knows me knows that. So I'm an expert on these kind of things, of course, but one thing I never did, even when I was young and would go run for 45 minutes in August in the heat of the day was warm up and cool down. I know that's a mistake. I know scientifically it's a mistake. I know logically it's a mistake, but, what what's the the big downside the major downside that you can see of not doing a good warm up and not waiting and staying and doing a good cool down uh good good question um the well it's most people want you know now they they're carving out this 30 minute window and they let's go let's go let's go they don't really want to take the time to do a appropriate 5 to 8 to 10 minute you know warm up and cool down and you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yes, of course. And I'm probably just as guilty as the next person is that, but allowing the blood flow and the muscles get up to temperature uh, by doing that will prevent damage, muscle tears, all those things by doing an appropriate uh, warm up, working on your hip mobility, your back, uh, working through your shoulders, neck, all those things. And then to cool down at the end is, you know, just as essential to to work through their stretch, let the blood flow, you know, get out, not settle in there so that two days later, you don't feel like you've been beat with a baseball bat. Well, that explains it right there. I'm glad, glad to know that. That's great. So a lot of our people that, that listen to the podcast are close to my age. They may not be quite as old as I am, but they're getting up there a little bit. So for, for people like that, you know, trying to be careful, trying to also be smart and continue with, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, balance and things we were talking about off air. Specifically for, let's pick balance in this case. Can you tell me some exercises that people would, would be able to do there at home uh, to help them maintain balance? Is it squats? Is it this? What, what really helps? Uh, balance. Yeah. Very easy exercises that you can do at your home. And what I recommend, uh, is people watch TV. As I tell people while they're watching TV, instead of sitting down on the couch is to just stand up. And if, if you're just starting to work on balance, find something that you can hold on to. But while you're watching TV is just take 15, 20 seconds at a time and stand on your left foot balance and then feel your foot react and correct the balance or imbalance 
and then do the same thing for the other. Do work on your right foot. And as you progress, the progression would be, as I tell people, to fold up a ba- uh, roll up a bath towel and just do the same thing. You're going to roll it up, stand on it with your left foot, balance for 15, 20 seconds at a time on your left, 15, 20 seconds on your right, and do it for, you know, 8, 10, 12 minutes, and you'll feel the uh, receptors in your feet, your legs, all those things firing up and down to your brain to correct the imbalance in there, uh, all the stabilizers in your ankles and knees. And uh, it works. Like I said, it's just a process. You have to find a way, put it in your schedule. And everybody, like I said, watches TV. Peggy probably could do it while she cooks. I know she, I know she could. Unfortunately, she's probably making me a lemon meringue pie, which is a whole different podcast and a whole (laughs) different problem. Now that's interesting about the balance thing though, because I've always felt like one of the main things that led to poor balance was weakness, but you would attack the nerve fibers and the sensation and the impulse between the foot and the brain before anything else. Cause that's more likely to be the problem. Yes, absolutely. And then work, work into the mus- muscular program as well. Yes. But okay. they probably both go hand in hand. I wouldn't say one's more important than the other, but yes, just working on that, uh, that pathway from the foot to the brain, back to the foot to figure out those imbalances. Uh, it, it's only going to speed it up. Interesting. And along the lines of balance, really one of the things that we deal with in the office and in, in the older population, especially is fall prevention. Falls are such a, a horrible, frightful uh, thing that, that happens every day. And, and some people, you know, have, have way too many falls and every single one is an opportunity to have some bad outcome. So along with the balance, then comes strength again to, for the, the reasons that we already mentioned. So if we're trying to work on, for example, lower body strength, Give me a couple of exercises that people would be able to do that would help them with that so that they're less likely to fall if they do actually get a little bit off balance. Because I know it takes strength to correct that. Yes, absolutely. For lower body, I mean, there's no better exercise than a squat. I mean, like I said, you can do this from your house, from just holding on to a door jam and working through the range of motion to like I said, just finding something you can use fingertip balance and really working on your motion. And again, you're going to add reps, add time, progress slowly. You can add weight. Um, you can do single leg squats as you progress along. Um, lunges. Um, those are good as well. Just again, remember to work on your form. Find form much better than, you know, quality over quantity, right? Yeah. I think that's probably what I'm trying to say here. But uh, yeah, squats, lunges, planks, uh, all those work really well. I know it's hard to mention lunges without mentioning form because (laughs) it's very, very easy. You showed me this yourself. It's very easy to ruin a knee if you're not doing lunges properly. So I, I would admonish our audience if you're going to start doing lunges go to youtube get a session or three with andrew even and learn how to do the lunges properly because they are a fantastic exercise when done correctly and they're a really good way to mess up a knee if you do them incorrectly 
So form, I know, throughout all of this is very important. So I, I want to leave Andrew enough time to tell us a little bit about his gym. So give us the history, if you would, of Focal Fitness and what it is you've got there at the building there and coming. Well, thank you, Jim. Yes. Uh, well, Focal Fitness was birthed out of an old public gym that I was in, and we worked in there for about 10 years. And then I just decided to go out on my own, which was a great decision. Looking back on it, risky at the time. But uh, right during the middle of the 2008 uh, crisis that we were in, but what the heck, without uh, risk and reward, right? So we took a leap of faith and and built this place back then and took all the people that uh, I was working with at the time and made connections with through the community and brought them over here and just started uh, our our uh, facility over here. We are located at 540 Lake Center Parkway, just across the street from Summits, right next to uh, Andine Chevrolet. And uh, yeah, we've been here for what looks like it'll be 13 years. And uh, we just try to provide a, a safe, effective uh, place where people can work on their goals, be healthy. Uh, like I said, everybody's their own individual uh, case study and that's how we treat everybody it's it's not one size fits all it's uh, whoever comes through here you know we take under our wing and try to try to give them the best care just like you do well that's wonderful but there's something wrong with having a a gym that close to the best wings and coming i'm just not real sure that's a real smart move i don't know if you should go before or after the gym and get the wings but I'm sure you shouldn't go at all. I'm quite sure of that. So some some might argue it's a it's a brilliant strategy. It's just uh, you know the guilt sets in and they can walk straight across the street. <laughs> just go over and spread business cards out on the bar at Summit Tavern. I like it. That's right. I like it. So John, have we had any yep. messages? Any we have. Any we have. We from people questions. Questions. We've got questions. So. uh Margaret Ann from Greenville, your old stomping ground, upstate South Carolina. She says, how does one stay motivated to work out? I like a personal trader because I know I've got to be there uh, two times a week. But if you don't have a trainer, how do you stay motivated? Andrew? Great question. Uh, yes. So solely, I would say probably 90 to 95% of the people that I work with, it's accountability, it's motivation. That is their main thing is not being able to do it on their own. So with that being said, if you can't hire a personal trainer, reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member and form your own little community within itself. You know, get on Facebook. There's plenty of people out there. Uh, but yeah, start a little text thread with uh, your girlfriends and hold each other accountable. You know, if you're not there one day, chirp in and ask them, why aren't you here today? And get them back on the wagon. But that's the main thing is find somebody that's going to hold you accountable. And uh, that's sort of on the same mission as you are. Don't find two people that are Debbie Downers and (laughs) that'll suck the life out of you. So find somebody that's uh, motivating and will hold you accountable and do likewise for them. Here's another advice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another one on, uh, talk about the, you, you talk about the physical benefits of, 
exercise. Talk about the mental health benefits because mental health is such an issue in the pandemic that people are struggling. A lot of people are struggling with. Yes, 100%. Um, so one of the many benefits of exercise, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of them as far as, you know, weight loss, bone density. Uh, but yeah, one of them will help you fight depression. And I think we've all come to know that a human being, we're just hardwired to be with other human beings. And during a pandemic like this, uh, exercise is a great way to help fight off that. And by doing the exercise, feeling good about yourself, uh, seeing the change in yourself, you know, just is only going to do uh, benefits for your uh, mental stability as well. I think so. A hundred percent. Now we've got an, uh, vaccine question for you, uh, Dr. Morrow, which is, um, the J and J and J Johnson and Johnson CEO. Uh, there was a headline that he predicted folks were going to have to get annual vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines for several years to come. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's very little doubt about that. Uh, We don't really know how long this immunity from the vaccine is going to last, but I think the idea that it's going to last forever is a real stretch. So I personally think that we'll probably be getting COVID-19 vaccines and flu vaccines every year from now on, most likely. Uh, I suppose it's possible at some point we could overcome coronavirus, but honestly, I don't think anybody really anticipates that. So I, I think we're looking at a, a coronavirus vaccine or two, depending on which one you get, um, it, it going on in, indefinitely. I, I don't, I don't ex- anticipate that we're going to not have to get one if we want to stay free of this virus. Awesome. That's what we've got. Good, right. good questions out there, folks. Thank you. Well, I appreciate Andrew Abernathy with Focal Fitness joining us today. I appreciate so much his insight and expertise. And uh, Andrew, I appreciate what you did for me. And we'll try to get back in there and know that's not always easy, but I'm going to do what I can. And for now, that is to your health.